is thinking about the lawyer as a whole, not just as a lawyer. Who are they as a whole person and how do we support them? And I think many times in the legal profession, that's not done for many reasons. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done. And the world has changed and it's not going back. And it's really important, whether you're leading a two-person team or a thousand-person team, that everybody feels that they're thought of as a person, as a whole person first, and then and how you support them there. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Sigal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Sigal Barnes. Our guest today has impacted hundreds of thousands of lawyers through education technology way before EdTech was even a term. He is the CEO of Lawline, the leading platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant professional growth content. He is also a frequent speaker and mentor on mindset, leadership, and company culture, and the author of the book, The Fast Forward Mindset, where he reveals a simple formula for entrepreneurs looking to fast track their entrepreneurial success. This is someone who I greatly admire and has mentored me for almost a decade. Let's welcome today's lawyer who leads, David Schnorman. David, thank you so much for being here today. It's always a pleasure. I know we just talked about this before we started recording, but I want all of our listeners out there to know that I challenged David today to tell me things I don't know about him. And for anybody that doesn't know, David and I have been working together for almost 10 years. We know each other very well, both on a personal and professional level. That's what happens when you work with someone for 10 years. So I challenged him today to tell me things that I don't know. David, you ready for that? Well, the best part is pre-roll, I told her something. She was like, no, she's like, no, 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 don't share that one. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to have to share it. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm still the chief storyteller at Lola, and I still control a little bit of what David yes. does. David, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for this. It's very rare that I get to interview somebody I know so well and get to talk about things that I might not know and get to learn about you and your world in a new way. So why don't we start, though, for people that don't know you, tell me a little bit about your journey to being the CEO of Lawling. It's a really fun journey looking back at it. In full transparency, I wrote a book called The Fast Forward Mindset, and my journey is in the book. So it makes my life really easy because I've already told it in writing many times. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but never knew how to get there. It took a long way for me to go from high school where I was reading entrepreneur books to becoming CEO of Lawline. In the process, I worked in five or six different sales jobs. I was a real estate broker. I was a student in law school. I started a TV show interviewing entrepreneurs. And then I realized I had an opportunity to take that TV show, which was on public access and interview lawyers and turn those interviews into courses for CLE credit. I was lucky enough to be set up with a great family and a great background. My dad had started Lawline in 1999. He had a site called Lawline that had about 10 courses on it in 2007. I realized he was ahead of his time and I thought I could rebuild the company. And it started with me and I had a high school intern, my third year of law school, and I started working on it from then. 
I love this. So I have a few questions, which I actually don't know the answer to. So this is exciting. You talk about wanting to have been an entrepreneur since you were in high school. Middle school, really. Middle school. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's very common, at least not in my world. You know, you were a doctor, you were a lawyer. There was like very specific professions that were presented to me. What made you say, no, I want to be an entrepreneur? How did you even know yeah. what an entrepreneur was at that stage? Right. Here's what I know I did do. I would literally, this is a middle school. I would go into Staples and Office Depot. There was one by my house. Not to buy anything. I would literally walk in and I'd start putting things in my cart. I would put I, a couple of things that I always put in my cart. Was that portable, like safe? I don't know. I was always addicted to, and I still am, to buying binders so I can put all my ideas and information in them. I subscribe to Entrepreneur Magazine. And on the back of the magazine is where like there's 30 pages of franchises. And I was like, oh, I want to do one of those. But I never. What, what, what specifically about, and first, first of all, I love seeing this middle school David walking through a Staples. By the way, I still love doing it. It's like being a kid in a candy store. Because to me, when you look on the shelves, like these are the products and systems that make a business work, that organize a business, that structure a business. So I think a, a lot of it was about freedom and the belief that you can do whatever it is that you want. And, and partly my dad, who is a personal injury attorney, wasn't working for somebody else. And I never thought of him as an entrepreneur, but certainly he was. And he was always happy. And most lawyers, especially in personal injury, are not always happy. And one of the things that he always used to guide him is he looked at himself. His vision for himself was of Robin Hood. He would take money from the rich insurance companies and give it to most of his clients who were poor and injured. And that's what drove him. But I knew I never wanted to be a personal injury attorney. I wanted to, and I still want to build, I don't know if it's a multi-billion dollar business. I don't know if it's a unicorn business. I don't know what the actual term is, but certainly something that has a big impact. But certainly Lawline has had an amazing impact in the industry. And so I feel very accomplished with where we're at there and also the size that we're at. Yeah. So you have this desire for freedom. You have this great role model in your life, your father, who is doing wonderful work. You're also going to law school. What did you go to law school originally wanting to do if you knew you didn't want to do personal injury? Well, so it's funny. When I went to law school, keep in mind, I had three or four sales jobs before that. And then I was a real estate broker. And when I was a real estate broker, I had to study for the exam. My dad always wanted me to go to law school because he came from nothing. He drove a taxi through law school, was on full scholarship. And so being a lawyer has allowed him to build a life. And so he wanted to give that same opportunity to us. And so after six years out of school, I realized I wanted to have something a little bit more concrete. I wanted to have a, a career. And I saw being a lawyer as a way to have impact and have a long-term career. So going to law school, I didn't know where I wanted to end up. I just knew as much as my dad was a role model to me is I didn't want to work for him. So you get into law school. What happens next? So before I graduated, my third year of law school is when I realized I wanted to take law line and give it a go. And that's because I'd started a TV show interviewing entrepreneurs. And up until that point, I probably interviewed about 30 entrepreneurs. And I learned a couple things from them on how to take a business and go with it. And so I took what I learned from them and I put together a business plan and I shared it with my dad and his partner. And I said, look, I want to build a new company. I want to use the Lawline brand and turn it into something huge. They're like, go for it. You know, what do we have to lose? And so my third year of law school, I went to school two days a week. I put all my classes in two days. Wow, I didn't and know then, that. That's yeah, like, oh, good. That's one. Okay, yeah, one thing. Now. 
So two days a week, I had classes, three days a week, I was working full-time on Lawline. And I knew I needed to have the, the business enough that I could feel confident when I take the bar and then be able to, to take it full-time. And so we hired a developer team to build the website before I graduated. If I didn't have a website, I couldn't have a company. So mm -hmm. that was the number one thing that we did in that year. So you were going through law school and you were interviewing all these entrepreneurs, but then you took all of that of what you learned and you applied it to the law. Why didn't you continue down the entrepreneur route? What about the law specifically made you continue down that route? If I'm going to be honest, I think it is because there is established foundation mm -hmm. because my, my true passion was what I was doing with interviewing entrepreneurs. The difference is that wasn't mandatory. So from day one, I had a, a target market who needed something and I had a pain point to solve it. And I was in the law. So it, it made sense and it, and it worked, but certainly it's obviously bigger than that. There's a community of a million attorneys who have lots of challenges from graduating law school to the end of their career. And so from day one, as you know, Seagal, my focus has never been about CLE credit, even though that's the core of our business. It's about how do we help them in their career and beyond that and help them support their clients. That's my drive and my vision for my life. And specifically, it's about having a positive impact on communities throughout the world. And this is my one focus on having a positive impact on the, the legal community. Yeah. What I think is really interesting is you had something established. You were able to identify a target market. You understood the pain point and you had experience in the industry. These are very important things towards a formula for creating a successful business. When there are people out there thinking about, well, how do I get this going, right? These are things that I think are really important for future leaders or leaders looking to transition to other areas to really consider those three areas like you did. I can't under, what's the word? Under say, that's not the right word. But the fact that my dad had given it a go six or seven years earlier and that he was such a help for me in the early stages, that was a huge instrumental fact of, of getting it going, giving me confidence to make decisions. One of the things that I've learned a lot in interviewing various lawyers who lead is there's always that person in your life that really helped create that momentum and how wonderful and what a blessing that happened to be your father. So you have this mentorship through your father who's able to really guide you. I think that's such an incredible thing. And it's such a cool thing because like everybody wants positive reinforcement from their parents. Yeah. And now here, my dad was and still is my biggest cheerleader, not only because he wants to see me do well, but because, you know, he has interest in my success. Everybody wants a leader to follow, whether it's entrepreneurs that you can follow, with others in the industry, whether it's your parents, somebody who can help, you know, give you that mentorship. 100%. I'd like to think a little bit about, you said you started with an intern, and now you're at 35 people and impacting hundreds of thousands of attorneys. So what did that building journey look like for you? How do you lead a company in growth? Talk to me about that a little bit. So the first three to five years was like the David show. Like I was the center, the hub. And everything kind of went back to me. But really quickly, that stopped because I am not an operations person, as you know. Um, I could do it. I could fake it for a while, but not long term. So very quickly, I put all my energy into mindset for myself and getting myself mentally where I needed to be. And that's why I joined Entrepreneurs Organization. That's why I started working with coaches. But I think the first inflection point for the business, Seagal, was when we hired a coach, when we hired Mark Green about seven years ago, 
to coach the executive team that didn't even exist yet and that you were you know, one of the first members on. I think that's where we started organizing the way we think and the way we work as a company. Throughout all this, these journeys, it's amazing at what a relatively small business, how much energy and challenges and sometimes drama that exists in such a small business. But what I've learned, Sigal, is you can take what we've been through and talk to a billion dollar company, a public company or a mid-sized company or us, it's all exactly the same. So whether it's small or large, and, and most of the times we're educating. Every time we talk to somebody in a larger business or larger industry, we're teaching them new things by how we do things along the line, which is inspiring because it shows how, how much work we've put it in. What I think I hear you saying is the way to scale a business from intern to 35 plus and also impacting hundreds of thousands of attorneys across the country is... There was a lot of learning. There was a lot of trial and error, but also there was a lot of enlisting others to help, right? Like knowing you couldn't do it on your own and being self-aware enough to enlist people like the coach, Mark Green, understanding that it was time to reset your mindset on how much you could contribute and knowing that you had to lift other people up to do those things. Yeah. And I think as a leader, one of the strengths that's really important to have is knowing when you found someone who has good talent whether it's an employee or a coach or a partner, and then really honing on to that. And once you work with them, make sure you're working with them forever in some form. As you know, we've had several team members who've left. And they still contract with us to this day. The other thing I learned is at the end of the day, what is this all about? 30, 50 years from now, when we're looking back, it's the relationships that we had and what we did with each other. Certainly the impact too, but the relationships and the journeys that we went through, because there's a book here, Sagal, the, the journeys that me and you've gone through over the past nine years, Yeah, that not only would we enjoy writing, but I think there's value to be shared from some of these ups and downs. 100%. I think it's really important to recognize that there are downs, you know? We've had plenty. It was a very big journey for me as a lawyer. You don't show vulnerability, you don't show failure. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I learned throughout my time at Longline was that we have to fail and we have to own those failures to grow. And and it's not over. We're still, because we're yeah. thinking of doing bigger things right now and we're like still pushing where we want to get to. Yeah. And I think that's one of the more challenging parts is while we say it's the journey, we're still really always focused on the destination most of the time. And so if you're always focused on the destination and feeling like you're not there, there's a level of frustration you might get, which you got to be aware of and understand how important that destination is to you and why. So if, it, if it's about giving clients access to justice and helping the justice system, that's great. Or if it's like reducing carbon emissions by 20% and your product can do that, that will push you beyond to make sure that happens. And that's where we came up with our why, which was hiring the attorneys, pursuit of justice for their clients. And I was going to say the legal professions. But for me, I can really relate it when I take it to the 10-foot view of the attorneys because each attorney is rolling up his or her sleeves to support themselves and their clients. And one huge tool to do that is education and idea exchange from other attorneys who've done it. How do you make that happen? What are some of the steps that you take to ensure that you're staying aligned with your why? One of the things that makes us special and gives us energy and where we are different than any other provider in the space, we started seeing things that makes us stand out. We call it connectivity. 
what that means is in a general sense, it's having attorneys being fulfilled to the reason they became an attorney, to that passion that's underneath them. So on a faculty side, we have created a turnkey way to take somebody who has an idea or a subject they want to teach, help them facilitate that, put it on our platform and give them reach to thousands of attorneys that can not only watch their class, but actually connect with them afterwards. We have attorneys who are in court and they're recognized by somebody who's seen them on law line and they're like rock stars. It's amazing. To answer your question, it's making sure that the attorneys who use our platform as a faculty and a customer are connected to the reason that they became an attorney and they feel fulfilled by that. And what if that reason changes? So we talk about the reason that someone becomes an attorney, but we're not static individuals. We grow all the time. What happens to attorneys that are looking to transition from one area of the law to another or looking to grow to somewhere that's law adjacent or looking to innovate? How does Lawline help those types of attorneys? So there's three main areas that we focus on from a content perspective. One is the traditional the practice areas. There's 60 different, give or take, areas from intellectual property to estates and family law and everything in between. Another area is well-being content. Well-being is anything from attorneys trying to figure out who they are and what they're trying to do or dealing with what's going on in the world today. That's also tied into diversity, equity, inclusion content, which you can't underestimate the importance in the legal community to have true diversity. And there's a lot that the legal profession has done over the years, but there's still a lot more to be done. What I hear you saying is the reason of being an attorney is not just practice areas, right? It's not just how do I learn how to do intellectual property. It's how do I ensure that I'm keeping important human things at the top of my mind, right? Elevate through education to help empower individuals, and also really helping people with their mindset around those things. It's interesting to me because, and I know this, so I'm not going to pretend I don't know all of this stuff we're doing, but what's interesting about it that I hadn't really thought about before is that Lawline has been evolving to not just focus on the actual act of the law, but the core of the person that's wielding it. Yes. And if we circle back to the beginning of the conversation, that's been my goal from the first day. I personally care about what makes each person tick. And I wish I could have, we're still not fully there, but I wish I could have gotten there a lot faster. And that's why we renamed the company in 2014 to Further Ed, because it was about furthering your education beyond just CLE. But it is really important. And the final area that we didn't get into is professional business development, which again, fits to the non- practice areas part. But I don't want to belittle, that's the wrong word, but the practice area part is really important. And it's the core of what we do because the laws are always changing. Attorneys are transitioning to different areas of law. And so it's where we spend the bulk of our time because it's such an important part of the, the process as we build up the other content as well. So how does the evolution of a company go from a few different practice area type of courses to where you are today from a leader's perspective. Help other people out there understand what that evolution looks like. How did you facilitate that? One of the things that allowed us to start focusing on 
this attorney as a whole content is, you know, we really focus a lot on building really quality subscription product for attorneys who come back and subscribe year after year with us. Again, I don't know if this is public, but I guess it's my company, so I could share, but we have about 40,000 active subscribers and we're constantly thinking about not how to sell them again because they're already subscribers, but what more do they need to support them in their day-to-day -day practice? And a lot of the feedback that we're getting from our, our customers is well-being content, professional development content, TE&I content. So we're hearing this from them and then we're, we're gonna put it out there and, and see how these courses do. The bigger opportunity and challenge is we've predominantly been working you know, with individual attorneys from all size firms and Fortune 500 companies. And now over the past couple of years, we've been working with really large organizations and law firms to design content and a platform that supports all these needs on a firm-wide level, whether it's hosting a three-day conference with a thousand attorneys or creating client access for a very specific type of content that dives into these areas. We're, we're thinking about how we're not just a content provider, but how we're a platform for these different firms. So what I hear as far as the evolution of creating content is listening, listening and testing. Yeah. So based on all of the experience that you had over all these years, what does leadership in law mean to you? It's thinking about the lawyer as a whole, not just as a lawyer. Who are they as a whole person and how do we support them? I think many times in the legal profession, that's not done for many reasons. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. The world has changed and it's not going back. And it's really important, whether you're leading a two-person team or a thousand-person team, that everybody feels that they're thought of as a person, as a whole person first, and then and how you support them there. And that's the answer. How do you do that for your team at Lawline? It goes back to what I said to you earlier is when we look back at this time, it's going to be about the relationships and the experiences that we had. Sometimes I think about how do I impact millions of people? And I also then flip back and go, well, I have 35 people I can have a real big impact on like today. And so that's what I do. I look at each person and figure out who are they and what do they want? And whether it's me or someone on the team and how do we help them get there? And I've learned this earlier on too in my career. I want to support you and everybody else in their career the next 30 years and beyond law line, beyond just this conversation. And so that's where I see the bigger legacy that's right in front of all leaders is the, the people that they deal with every day, not the people they're going to deal with in 20 years from today. Knowing you, I can attest that's absolutely true about you. Where do you think that comes from? Whenever I have a good idea, I need to share it with everybody else. I need to get it out there. And that's why I wrote a book, why I'm running Lawline, why I'm, I was president of an entrepreneur's organization, why I do social media and post different things. So the same reason I want to share a good idea, I want to make sure everybody is doing what, what gives them energy. And so honestly, I don't know what it is. I'll, I just know that's who I am. The toughest part that I realized early on was I used to think I could say the right thing to motivate somebody to, to do what I thought was right for them. And that's where you get into trouble. It's a lot of listening. And, and doing your best. I agree. And I think that you're not giving, now you're being a little too humble. <laughs> you're not giving yourself enough credit. You've changed a lot of people's lives, both inside the organization and outside of the organization that's separate and apart from the customers that you serve, which is a whole other type of impact that you do. So. No, I appreciate that. And I don't actually see that 
I sh- uh, maybe I should. Won't. You should, because yeah. the reason I'm doing this is because I know you so well, but you impact a lot of people. You take a lot of time to help people, both within the organization, the customers that we serve, the faculty that teach us, as well as other people that are looking to find their way. And I appreciate that. And obviously, we all have our own imposter syndrome there. Did you ever see the movie Mr. Holland Opus? Mm-mm. I haven't seen the movie either, but I've seen a two-minute video that I'll share afterwards. Maybe you can put a link to it. Mm-hmm. Famous actor, I forget his name, where he wanted to write a symphony his whole life, and he never was able to. He was a music teacher. So when he retired, there was this huge assembly that he was going to, but what he didn't realize, it was for him. There's a room of 1,000 people, and he comes, he sits down, and then one of his former students goes, I fear, look at yourself as a failure, because you never wrote that symphony you've wanted. He goes, look around the room where all your symphony, this is your impact. It's just like a tearjerker moment. And I think that's what I thought of. And that's what we should all think about. What is our symphony that we're writing right now that we don't realize? So thank you for that. I think that's a beautiful way to end. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your vulnerability. I appreciate your willingness to share. I appreciate your support in creating this podcast and for giving the platform for other lawyers to lead and share their stories here. If anyone wanted to reach out and contact you, how could they do so? I think LinkedIn is where I spend a lot of my time right now. So go on LinkedIn, I'm I'm David Sherman. And if you send me a message, I most likely will respond pretty quickly. Thank you leaders and future leaders for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social. Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry with almost five stars and over a thousand verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com slash podcast to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.